Connors T, how are ye? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast. I'm Sarika Hegarty and I'm here with my brother. I'm Aaron Hegarty and we are the co-founders of Candlelit Tales. We tell old Irish stories set to music and we have a little bit of a chat about them afterwards. You! Lots of stories to tell and many ways to tell them. We perform live shows in and around Ireland. You can find details of our upcoming shows on candlelittales.ie. We started Candlelit Tales with a donations-based policy and we're continuing that philosophy with this digital content. So if you like what we're doing and you can afford to support us, you can uh, find us on patreon.com forward slash Candlelit Tales. Yeah, go on, be soon. Yeah. <laughs> Without further ado. <laughs> I mean, like, it's pretty good, right? I don't even need to cut this. It's fine. This is fine. It's totally this good. This is totally fine. We're giddy today. Without further ado, let's tell a story. All right. The Dream of Angus Og. Angus Og was known as the God of Love. His mother was Boan. She had met the great, the beautiful, the brilliant, the Dagda, and spent one day with him. She conceived a child and gave birth to him all in a day because the Dagda had put a spell on the sun to stay in the sky until that day was done. For they only had one day in each other's arms and they made it last. They made it a long, long time. And so Angus was born out of this union between these two that loved each other so much. And his mother was the god of the river, the river Boyne, that flows around Brune Boyne, her home ground, and it was Angus's charge to bring the beloved dead to their resting place beyond the vale. So, he was known as the god of love, for another reason, because he was so damn lovable. People just fell in love with him. Men and women all fell to their knees crying out to please Angus Og, and he simply loved to be loved, and so he spread his love around. He seemed to walk as if on air seeming to dare to look into anyone's eyes with a heart open with surprise he'd be met as people would fall head over their heels in love with him. But he never felt that pain, that rush, that feeling of unrequited love. He never had that feeling because everyone fell in love with him, you see. He never felt refused. He always got what he wanted until one day he went to bed and the door creaked open and standing in a shaft of light a woman with bright gleaming white hair that cascaded and fell down her white dress she had pale skin and emerald eyes and she stared at Angus Og as he saw the nape of her neck had a golden chain wrapped around it. He was struck then with a feeling he had never felt before. 
as she lifted her hands and played the sweetest and softest music he had ever heard on the harp. As the music played, he lulled himself into love he had never felt before. He knew this woman in front of him was greater than anyone he had ever seen, and so she stayed with him that long, long night. And when he reached out his hand, he asked her for her name, he awoke with a fright. She was nowhere to be seen. The sun was staring down in a stream of light, the moon was nowhere to be seen. And so he tripped his way around that day, not knowing where he was, but feeling something he had never felt before, he was sure. And so that night, eager and full of hope that she would return to him, the door once more opened and his love returned to him. This was the way he spent his nights from then on out. For a year and a day this went on and he was as happy as could be throughout that time. He wished the days away he wanted nothing more than to be in her presence. He did not take anyone into his arms, he only wanted and longed for her. Now. After a year and a day, the door opened no more, and Angus's heart started to beat. He worried for his love what had happened to her. He did not know her name or where she had come from, but he knew he needed to find her in some form or some way, so he took to bed. In the only way he thought he could make her come to him was staying in the place he knew that she knew where to find him. And he stayed there and he lusted and he longed and he wanted for her to come back to him. But he did not eat. He did not drink. He grew sick and he grew weak, and his mother was worried for him. She begged him to tell her what was wrong with him, but he would not. He refused to talk about this woman to anyone, lest he ruin his chances of ever seeing her ever again. But as the days turned into weeks and weeks into months and months into a year, this entire time he stayed in bed, Boan was worried for him and the Dogda sent for Dean Keck, the greatest physician of the fear day. He came and he took his pulse and he looked him up and down and said, This man is not sick of body, his mind has not left him, but he's a sickness of the heart. When Boan heard this, she asked her son to tell him who it was he was in love with and eventually Angus described the beauty that had come to him then and the Dagda sent out word all over Ireland he demanded to know who it was that had captured his son's heart and throughout all Ireland they searched for a woman with white hair, pale skin, bright green eyes and a golden chain around her neck. But no one knew who this was until Bov Darragh called. He said he knew exactly who this was. Bov Darragh knew all of the things on the good side and the bad side of life. He called Angus Og down, down to Munster. He said he must go down to look Bwail Dragoon. The lake of the dragon mouth. 
This was where he told Angus Og his woman would be waiting for him. He knew the description, he knew this woman. This woman was the daughter of a druid, and she surpassed his magic. She had her own. She had great spells. She had her own magic, she had her own power, and she had refused to take any man as her husband that would take her away from the water. And so she had called up a magic from deep below the earth, a magic to stop any man from taking her away from the water's edge, and she would remain locked fast to Lupwell Dragoon for a year and a day. And after that time was spent, she would transform into the form of a swan. And she would fly over Ireland, visiting all the lakes and all the waterways between this world and the next. And no man could ever take her away from Lupwell Dragoon. And this was the warning Angus Og was given as he saw a wedge of swans flying over Lupwell Dragoon, chained in pairs with silver chain. Bar the first, bar the one that was leading their way, she was flying with outstretched wings, gliding over the air with a, with a golden chain wrapped round her long white neck. Angus Og knew exactly what to do there, and then he left Luckwell Dragoon. He went and he gathered all of the herbs he met with all of the wise men, the druids then, that would tell him how to break that spell, or perhaps how to match her magic to take her away from the lake. No one knew what he was doing as he gathered herbs, made his potions, cast spell on spell on spell, and Angus Og was lighter than air as he walked the length and breadth of Ireland, gathering what he would need for the following year. A year and a day went by, and he returned to Lupwell Dragoon, and there a host of men and women gathered then to see him face this woman, this woman whose name was Care, the daughter of a druid that would not leave a lakeside. And so they watched as Angus Og walked into the water, and once more a wedge of swans flew past the beautiful moon hanging high in the sky, led by the one, the one he knew to be care with the golden chain wrapped around her throat. As she landed, a plume of feathers erupted around her, and as they fell, eyes of everyone there locked fast on her pale beautiful skin this was care the most beautiful woman they had ever seen she walked towards angus og she nodded and smiled a smile that seemed to say so much more than any words could she seemed to say what took you so long and angus og leant forwards and poured his potion onto the water's edge. He crushed the herbs in his hands as he sprinkled them onto the water, and then he leant towards her, kissing her he spoke soft words, seeming to be a prayer or a spell, but 
whatever way he uttered those words, the magic seemed to be summoned from the earth below as the water bubbled, near boiled. It slipped around their ankles and covered their bodies head to toe and the water splashed off of their skin and then in the din and the noise the people could not believe their eyes as the water turned to feathers and they now saw two swans staring at one another as they began to run off the surface of the water they spread their wings and began to fly high into the sky as they left Lopwell Dragoon forevermore together to fly around Ireland's waterways together forever with Angus Og and care. Okay, that was a lovely one. That's one of your favourites, Aaron, and has been for a while. Yeah. Where did you hear that first? So there used to be this storytelling event in Dublin called Milk and Cookies and I went along to it one night when I was in Dublin, not that long. And a storyteller called Brendan Nolan told this story. And I just instantly loved it. And he also said that he had heard it from another storyteller. And that's what storytellers do. You hear a story and you pass it on. And I just thought that was one of the most beautiful stories and messages to go along with that. And Brendan actually died last year, uh, very sadly. He's a beautiful storyteller. And he still has stuff up online, actually, if you ever want to know how to tell a story and not spit a story, check him out on YouTube. Uh, Martin Nolan, uh, an Illinpite player uh, in Dublin, passed me on a, few, a CD that they recorded together as well, because they used to do kids' stories. And that was beautiful, but uh, that's a nice link there. That was Brendan's story. Lovely. It's also, we've told it a few times as being one of the only, if not the only, Irish love story that actually has a happy ending. Oh yeah, it's the only, it's the only happy ending. Like It's the only one we found so far anyway. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, like, if you look at the the rest of the Irish love stories, you have Deirdre of the Sorrows listed there as one of them. You're like, what? How is that a love story? Well, it is a love story. They give up everything to be together. And, and then they're horribly slaughtered because that's what happens when you give up everything to be together. They give up everything to be together. And then they're horribly slaughtered because that's what happens when you give up everything to be together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's not talk romance with Sarika anymore. But they're like, as in most in fairness, the other Irish stories that are... Um... Are, well, you've got ones like the other Irish love stories that would come to mind, the famous ones. I mean, Deirdre of the Sorrows, we've already mentioned. There's Dermot and Grania, which are the other great lovers. Um, there's also, not a happy ending. Terribly sad ending. Um, Midir Natane. That gets really incesty really badly at the end, though. Yeah, it would be a happy ending. It's nearly, if, yeah. If you left out the, the, the actual ending, which we won't when we no. tell that story on this podcast. Oh, yeah, we, we, actually got, <laughs> we got asked to tell that story recently. Yeah. Like, yeah, we'll absolutely tell it in its entirety. Yeah, <laughs> you may regret that request. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, if anybody else has any requests, send them our way and we'll or, get her. Or if you know of a happy ending story, you know, like one that genuinely is a good one. Actually, yeah, that's a good call out. Like, are there any other Irish stories that actually end well? Love stories, particularly. Because mm. really, 
like most of them, end in sorrow and death. Lovely. Now, come here and tell tell us a little bit about the this the God of Love thing, because I, I've been wanting to ask you this or get you to explain this a bit better, because the Irish deities weren't exactly what we think as of gods, right? Yeah, this is a little bit of a tricky one to get your head around. And I actually find it a bit of a tricky one to get my head around as well. Because, and this is partly because we're missing so many bits in Irish mythology. Because the myths were written down by uh, Christian monks, a lot of the time it's kind of hard to reconstruct how people actually thought of things. But certainly the people that we think of as gods... When we say that word, we tend to think of, like, say the Greek gods or the Norse gods. All seeing, all divine, all powerful, like. Well, not just that, but also gods that you worship in ritual and that you sacrifice to and that you ask to intercede for you, that you pray to. And and that's not really what the Irish tradition was about. Well, they were god-like people, that's what, you know. They had the powers of gods. Hmm. But, I mean, if you take, for instance, Lou, uh, Lou Lawfather, who we talked about recently and mm-hmm. we told the story or you told the story of Lou and Balor of the evil eye. Lou is sometimes referred to as a sun deity. Yeah. But Lou is not a sun god like, say, Helios is a sun god who, like, drives the sun across the sky in a chariot. Such a cool image. Which is a cool image. But that's not that's not Lou. Lou oh. is associated with the sun because his face shines like the sun, because he's bright. So he's associated with light and enlightenment and knowledge and wisdom and swiftness. Mm. So it's more of a kind of a poetic association than it is a relationship of power, which just puts a little bit of a different spin on things. Totally. And yet Lou is still kind of immortalised in the Christian belief system by the Celtic cross by having the circle a lot of people will claim that represents the sun or the sun god, the sun deity of the Irish people. Again, it's a, it's a hark back to Lou it, or it's a hark back. It represents a belief system that had a great emphasis on the seasons mm-hmm. and on the sun and on the cycle of the year. I don't know if that directly connects to Lou or not. Yeah, okay. Um, or to worship of Lou. And this is this is kind of the bit where it, it gets a little bit fuzzy for me because it doesn't seem like there's much of a worship tradition attached. Like we talked a little bit about Bridget there uh, a couple of weeks ago and the way that the 1st of February is, is Bridget's day. It was Imbolg and there were these parades of young girls going around dressed in white in honour of the goddess. Um, that's more the kind of thing that you get you get these kind of reenactment rituals mm-hmm. rather than you know kneeling down and praying to or burning sacrifices to or petitionary prayer it's more about it's more about the cycle of the year mm. and certain rituals that take place at certain times of the year and certain stories as well that are that are told at certain times of the year Mm. You still have the fires lit up and, you know, the festival of the fires in Ishnok, you'd have the lit, lit, light, <coughs> lighting of the fires for Biotna as well. Say that again. <clears throat> you still have the, the lighting of the fires and the festival of the fires up in Ishnok, at Biotna, and you've, you, so you still have the points, maybe not directly referred or directly towards or offered up to the gods though but they're kind of more seasonal celebrations and times to be a big mad pagan and jump around place 
And I guess what I'm saying is I don't think they ever were yeah. about yeah. worshipping the gods. Right. They're more about celebrating our humanity. And these gods, like the thing about these gods as well is that all of the two of the Danon, or almost all of them have a death story. You know, there's a death story of Lou. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're not immortal beings who live forever. But there's something a little bit slippery about them as well, because the other world where they, where they dwell is also the other world that people pass to after yeah. they die. It's sticky there. And it's, it's all a bit sticky. But again, okay, so like the god of love, clearly that became kind of, a, a, it seems to be an insert after the fact, you know, for Angus. I don't know if it's so much an insert after the fact as it is a different meaning attached to the word god. Okay. And the word goddess. We have an association and a meaning behind god and goddess that's very particular. And like most things that are very particular to a certain culture we don't realise that they're culturally attributed at all. They seem to us to be universal and logical and normal. <laughs> seems so logical at the time. Yeah, it seems, <laughs> and it seemed perfectly logical to have a completely different conception of these beings back in those days as well. Uh, but Angus, in relation to love, I think what's really interesting about Angus Og is his dwelling place at Brunaboynia hmm. is a series of passage tombs. And... There's two stories that I think of when I think of Angus and love. Aside from this one that we that you just told, there is the story of him giving Dermot O'Divna the love spot, the brochure, <laughs> which causes the poor fellow no end of trouble. In fairness, like it's a terrible gift. Like here well, now, like, everyone who sees that spot on your forehead is going to fall helplessly in love with you. I know we could all do without that. Like, <laughs> and it causes Dermot fucking no end of hassle. But the other association with Angus Og connected to him being a loving god or a god of love is that it was his responsibility to bring the beloved dead to their resting place at Brunaboynia. Yeah. Which again is a like you're not talking about romantic love there. So he's a god of he certainly is a god of romantic love. But he's also a god of other kinds of love. Just being great and sound and lovely type of love. Well like, like after Dermot is killed Angus Og brings him to Brunaboynia yeah. and used to wake him up for chats from time to time. Like, so they could hang out. Of course he did. That was the, that was Dermot's afterlife was hanging out with his mate Angus in, in Newgrange, like. So, okay. So come here. Um, we, I heard this story, first of all, and we told it for actually a couple of years with a slightly different ending than we've kind of landed on now. We did. We had an ending, uh, which was, I think the Lady Gregory version was the first one that we had, um, which was from Cúcolin of Marthevna, mm-hmm. her book about the Ulster cycle, because Maeve and Oliel are tangentially involved in one of the versions of this, in helping uh, the Dagda find the girl's father. And in that version... Which, which makes absolutely no chronological sense. I mean, none of them make chronological sense. <laughs> like that, that's just like, what? Listen, anyway. one of these days we'll tell the story of Celtcar and MacUthercar and that'll fuck everybody up entirely in <laughs> terms of chronology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, it, it could just have been a way of tying them into the Ulster cycle. Yeah. But that story had an interesting little line in it, which was that care... Care's father had committed a crime and for his crime she was under a curse to be a swan every other year. Yeah. And it was actually Angel Hannigan who works with us in Candlelit Tales. Uh, she went on a bit of a research kick on this um, 
because she was telling that story at a show and she went and she read loads of versions, which is what we all tend to do. And she found she went she went looking. Let's say that again. And what she was looking for was the father's crime. What exactly do, do you have to do to get your daughter transformed into a swan every other year? Whereas I was just like, yeah, that makes sense. Cool. I'll go with it. Now Angus Oak has to break the spell and then, you know. Yeah, and it becomes about him fulfilling a quest and winning the fair maiden. But she couldn't find the crime. What she did find was a different version in which care is told, is, is described by... In which care is described by her father as being more powerful than he is and more strong willed than he is. And that she has just up and decided that every other year she's going to be a fucking swan. Because why the fuck not? <laughs> yeah, no, I, that took me a while to actually get my head around. Weird enough. It did because it actually profoundly changes the structure of the yeah. story. Because the story as we had initially told it and as you had initially heard it is a very um damsel well no yeah it's damsel in distress it's the hero completing a quest and winning the woman's hand at the end and it it still had that twist where you thought he was going to break the curse and he managed to change it over <clears throat> and he becomes a swan with her so you still have the twist at the end to keep it interesting I mean, here we were all thinking shrek was original <laughs> right there you go that's that's where they got that story yeah, you probably well, fucking never heard Angus Oak. Crafty devils. Archetypes. Every original idea you've ever had has already been done. Thanks for that, Sarah. But it did take, take me a while to get my head around because I couldn't, for some reason, kind of see Angus's impetus to then go off and to join and to link up with her or to kind of be with her from then on out. I couldn't quite make the make the jump. It's like, well, why the fuck would you want to marry someone who's just decided to stay in a lake for the whole time? Of course, then you get into the mindset of Angus being over, you know, head over heels, being in that mindset of hopelessly in love with somebody. And then it makes perfect sense. He's like, I don't care where the fuck I have to be as long as I'm with her. It doesn't matter what shape I'm in, what form I'm in, as long as I'm with her. And still that kind of element of potentially him breaking the spell is still there in, in a way of like, maybe he could match her spell. Maybe he could break it. And yeah. And I think that's that's the really interesting thing for me is like it's. It does fundamentally change the structure of the story because it reshifts the power balance of the story. Yeah. Care is no longer helplessly waiting and kind of trying to lure him into uh, freeing her yes. and saving her. All she's doing is coming up to him and going, can you keep up? <laughs> yeah? yeah? We do this if you can fucking keep up. Can you? <laughs> and then she basically sits back and waits to see if he's fucking up to her. Yeah, yeah. Which is a totally different thing. It gives her an awful lot more power and agency. But it kind of also, I think what the, the, the difficulty there is that it does make Angus's quest a little bit more confusing. Yeah. Now, I remember telling this story to an American audience and a woman uh, came up to me afterwards and said, I've never heard a story in my life in which the man changes for a woman. Yeah. Every other love story in our modern culture, involves women changing for men. Shrek. Way to do it, lads. I mean... Way to be original. <laughs> <clears throat> and on that note, 
now that we've mentioned Shrek three times. I only mentioned it once. You just mentioned it twice. I know. Just to say it three times. <laughs> yeah, well, I needed a third one. Love Triscuits, lads. Love Triscuits. Listen, this. it's the month of love. You know, people love telling romantic, sappy stories this month. And if you came to our live show this month, you'd know that we're all about fucking that up. So um, that that's us. I think that's a good way to leave it. Yes. May you be... Sorry. The concept in Irish myth, I'm just going to talk around this for a second so that I can land on my final line. The really important concept, every Irish hero and queen is looking for a partner that is their equal. So this Valentine's Day, I hope you are all with your equal. This podcast was produced and edited by Oisín Ryan. The story was by Aaron Hegarty and the music was by Oisín Ryan. You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales, where you'll find details on the rewards we have for our Patreon supporters. You can find out more about us and about our upcoming shows on candlelittales.ie. Find us on your favourite social media at Candlelit Tales and use the hashtag Candlelit Tales podcast to share this with your friends. We'd love for you to get in touch. Email us your comments, questions and feedback at info at candlelittales.ie. And if you'd like to book a Candlelit Tales show, you can contact us on bookings at candlelittales.ie. Till next time, keep her lit. <laughs>